My name is Matt Brown. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. Right? It's going to be played on the grass. And let's start the show. Teams are trying to beat me. They're not trying to beat our team. They keep forgetting I'm not playing anymore. I had a great career. I'm serious. I got a gold jacket ain't back. So I'm good. If I was out there playing against every coach I played against, we would be totally dominant. everybody the world is a better place because you're here to join us my name is matt brown and i am the host of the productive conversations podcast it is thursday september 28th 2023 just a few more days left in september and then we are starting the month of october and we're going to end this month off with stellar content as per usual awesome nfl show yesterday a very fun college football show today then tomorrow we'll focus on the tweet cap but until then the focus is on the college football world today and we have some games to discuss we're looking ahead to week five and also a little nba a big story that is worthy of speaking on and i'll get into that a little later but before we get into today's show i just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show across all social media platforms we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast Twitter slash X at Proud Combo Pod. And we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So college football is our discussion for today, our productive conversation to be exact. We're talking about some of the bigger games that took place. Florida State and Clemson, Colorado and Oregon. Notre Dame and Ohio State. All them entertaining in their own right. Plus we get uh, some other weird stories that took place as the rivalry games are starting to come our way as the college football season progresses. Plus, we are going to actually talk a little NBA. I don't know if you heard, but Damian Lillard got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Very rare for the NBA to have a top story during football season, but hey, that's exactly what happened, and we're going to discuss it here on Productive Conversation. So we'll get into the Damian Lillard trade, make picks for week five, and keep on going. So good stuff ahead. You are going to love it. I guarantee it. Some good stuff. Alex Ranelio is with me to talk college football. So let us do it. Alex, is your turn once again. Here we go. Matt from Norwalk. Uh, let's see. Matt Brown wants to know. This is a very productive conversation. What the hell is up, everybody? We are talking about college football week four, where we did have three significant games we have to talk about, where we are starting to see the rivalry games and traditions unfolding. And as we head into the month of October, where we should see some stellar matchups, I think we got a nice preview of what is to come. Alex Ranelio is with me for this one. What is up, Alex? Hey, man. Happy to be back, brother. Let's talk some college football. Yes, let us talk some college football indeed. I first want to talk about Clemson versus Florida State University. Where I have a I witnessed Debo Debo Sweet Debo 
Dabo Sweeney trying to help his team any way possible, whether it is some questionable coaching calls or just going on the field and trying to make a tackle. The Clemson Tigers miss a, miss a critical field goal. FSU wins. And I think it's fair to say maybe Clemson's playoff chances are done. Do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm not completely sure that the ACC is back up to where they were in, in recent years past. I think that the competition is still, you know, marginal in that regard. Um, I think that Clemson is kind of in a similar situation as Alabama, whereas they're not the cream of the crop in their own conference and they need to kind of get back to that level. And I think that um, some of this is just, you know, facing some heavier competition, such as the Florida state where the recruitment is in their favor for this year and, and, you know, mm-hmm. possibly, next year moving forward because the you know as we've talked about the nil has just been so powerful and shaking up uh some of the offseason acquisitions so i think that clemson is kind of in that uh in that realm as alabama you know in that regard so i think that um as well as they may play um i just think that the the competition has just gotten that much stiffer it did get that much stiffer, and um, but with this, I do like the opportunity, the possibility of programs you haven't seen in a while get really good, or pro programs that were um, dominant at one point and um and and getting back to the limelight. Like it's interesting to see, like for the U, for instance. I don't know if they'll get back to glory this particular season, but it seems like they're really building something over there, and um. I like to see how this keeps unfolding and we really should talk about Florida state. I know they last week, they won by the skin of their teeth against Boston college, but, and you know, if they, if um, Clemson makes some better decisions in the game, who knows what happens, but I think Florida state really is a team to look out for, for the uh, remainder of this college football season. Don't you think? hundred um, percent. They were dominant against Southern Miss. They were dominant again um, against LSU. Um, I really like the, the their head coach. Um, I think that you know the the uh, the the sky the sky's the limit with them in terms of the ACC and their competition. Um, I, I think that you know we, we talked about at the early you know at the at the early beginning of the stages of the uh, um, of the college football. Um, uh, preseason picks. I think that uh, you know positions three and four in the uh, the college football playoff are completely still you know up for grabs, and especially with the way that LSU has played and the way the USC has had questions, um, you know, outside of Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. I think that they have a real opportunity to kind of sneak into that fourth spot and maybe even into that third spot. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they run the table with this, with the rest of their schedule, because they have a very favorable schedule. Yes. And Jordan Travis is turning into another stellar quarterback. That is very fun to watch. He doesn't really turn over the ball. Awesome arm. He seems to be very mature in this role. Um, I'm really liking what I'm seeing and he could be another one of these uh, quarterbacks that might be uh, part of this potentially legendary class to see how things unfold. Maybe he will save uh, one of the many teams in the NFL that clearly needs it. One rhyming rhyming with Mets, for instance. Yes, 100%. I totally agree. (laughs) All right. Um, We also saw Notre Dame lose a thriller against... 
we saw Notre Dame lose a thriller against Ohio State. This game was as advertised. I Ooh. am a little bummed that Notre Dame got the loss and they really can't afford to lose for the rest of the season now. And we, the big thing to notice, um, that final play where Notre Dame only had 10 players on the field and that wasn't called for whatever reason. Once again, whether in the pros or in college, the refs seem to be missing critical moments where we have all these cameras and replay. But um, what a game that was. And, you know, for a second, we thought Marvin Harrison might be injured, but it looks like he will be okay. But, you know, it seems a couple of times this year, the injury bug has teased us. But besides that, um, I want to talk about the game itself. What did you think about it? And then there's a few other things I want to hit. I think it was as advertised. I think it was unbelievable game from front to start, uh, from, from start to finish. I thought that um, Ohio State, Ryan Day had a lot of answers to what, um, Notre Dame was trying to do on offense, and I thought that um, they, uh, they 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 answered a lot of the counter punches that Notre Dame had to offer. Um, and I, I I think that when when you look at the way this game shaked out, I think that uh, Notre Dame showed a lot of promise in terms of how they rank in the hierarchy within that top five, top eight, um, you know, kind of argument in terms of, uh, you know, the power rankings and whatnot, but Ohio state, you know, answered any kind of questions that we had about um, what, what, what the rank is with the, with, uh, with the, with the big 10. And um, they were, they were unbelievable. It, it was, it was amazing to see even with, their quarterback situation, what they were able to do in the second half and um, being able to answer that deficit in, in such a timely fashion. It was just a picture pin. It was just a picture fin picture perfect finish in, um, in, in South Bend. And I, I thought it was just, it, it was as advertised. I think it was, you know, there, there, there were, there were questionable calls towards the end of that game, but we knew that there was going to be um, something of the sort, you know, going into it. We knew that it was going to be highly contested. So I thought that this was a really, um, really just an amazing test for uh, Ohio state. And um, it was too bad because uh, for Notre Dame, it was, it was a blown opportunity to um, bring a huge quality win home. to yes. South. Yeah, that, very, that was very that bad. Was, and that's why I'm just like, I really want this team to really make the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I just want something different too. We usually have been getting the same, um, the same schools in this playoff over the past few years. You can expect Ohio State to be there. You can expect to Bama to be there. Clemson was there for many years. I just want something new, especially um, this would be Notre Dame's first college football playoff, and obviously, it's as prestigious as it gets when it comes to college football. So. This game is uh this could be a this is no doubt a critical loss and at least this shows they are closing the gap on these major programs and yeah. you can at least say that. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, no, that, that that was my biggest takeaway from Notre Dame's perspective. For Ohio State's perspective, uh conversely, I thought that it kind of solidified any questions that we may have had about them being on the outside looking in. Um, I know for me, for the preseason picks, I, I had them basically as the five or six seed, you know, depending on where Bama fell. But LSU, there's still questions about their defense. And um, right now, I mean, Florida State looks like they're circumventing USC in that hierarchy as well. So mm-hmm. obviously it's, it's, it's cross-competition in terms of the conferences, but um, I think that uh, Ohio State is uh, answering a lot of questions that people had. 
So we saw on Friday, Lou Holtz was talking about the return of Notre Dame. And for some reason, and Lou Holtz, what's he, 86 years old? The Obviously, <laughs> the uh, legendary coach from Notre Dame. Let me just confirm this, and I'll, and I'll go somewhere. And I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Right. Um, yes, 86 years old. So he's very... He's an elderly man and be happy that he has his way to go on camera like that. And for some reason, Ohio State's head coach Ryan Day was really offended by this. I mean, sure, come up with any ways to get bulletin board material. But I think he kind of took it a little too far. Maybe if Lou Holtz was a 45 year old guy, I get it. But like, come on, this man, just be happy he's there, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> be happy that he's upright. I mean, <laughs> Look, we our our president, our our commander in chief is is completely brain dead, and, and this guy, <laughs> at least at least, this, at least this guy could put a you know coherent sentence together. So um, you know, kudos to him. I mean, look, this is this is just good banter with college football. Um, we saw this in years past with Notre Dame and USC, and uh, um, I, I just think that it's 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 part of the game. It's part of the love. So. You know, it, if if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're gonna chop back and forth, then so be it. I'm I'm all here for it. Hear that? Hear that? So talking about people who made some noise, talk about coaches who've made who made quite the locker room speeches. Oregon humbles the University of Colorado at home. They destroy them by a score of forty-two to six, and Ooh. nothing was going right for. Um, Colorado. They had a hard time on offense. I think they, what was it, like 23 points in the first half alone. They yep. can't stop the run whatsoever. Bo Nix was, um, was, uh, doing his thing. And yeah, you know, I do respect Dion's gracious, um, and very good sportsmanship for a guy who talks to talk. I, he at least is not delusional and saying it was bad. He admits, yeah, this didn't work. And now as the season progresses, you realize, okay, Colorado, if they really want to be a powerhouse program and he wants to stick with it, they do need to recruit bigger players. They need to have people. I mean, the line's pretty small. They were just eating up and they really were humbled in this game. And, um, you know, respect to both teams. I think the, the, uh, you know, the coach was justified. I'm sorry. I can't think of his name right now. Oregon coach was justified to feel the way he did, especially I knew as soon as they, now I, I knew as soon as Oregon went to the, O oh, at midfield, Oh, it's over. They're not going to win. They're not coming out of this, you know, bet, your whole life savings on that money line, you would have been uh, all set. And the bad karma hit. And um, though they obviously still have a very successful season, they'll have a very big matchup, which we'll talk about later. But um, talk to me about Colorado's humble loss to Oregon. Yeah, well, like you just said, it was it was completely humbling. Um, they dominated this game from uh, beginning to end. Um, you know, when, when the coach of Oregon basically said that, you know, we don't play for headlines, we play for W's. Um, that was, that was a statement and a testament to how good that that roster is. And, um, they knew who they were dealing with when Colorado, Colorado came into their, their stadium. Um, let, you know, similar to what you said, it, I mean, <laughs> it was 42, nothing until the fourth quarter. That's all you really need to know. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was domination from beginning to end. Um, Nico, shout out to him. Um, he called it from the beginning. I mm -hmm. thought it would be a closer game just because Me too. 
I, I did I did drink some of the the uh, the the juice um, on Colorado, and I thought they would keep it at least close, even though I was not necessarily picking them to overcome and win this game. But um, you know, they, they they totally dominated this game. They they won time of possession. They won on on all three phases of uh, of the ball when it comes to offense and. Um, they kept Colorado's offense off the field, and that's all you can really ask for when you when you're winning all three phases of the game. So, um, I'll you know, Oregon looks legit. I still think that they have a couple questions to answer if they're going to be considered in the you know top four conversation, particularly with USC. And um, we'll see what happens when uh, USC comes to Colorado and see how they match up um, in that hierarchy with the Pac-12. Yes, when we make our pricks, we can branch more a little bit on Colorado. Yes. But um, regardless, Oregon, though, looks like that they can um, – really good team and maybe a top offensive team in this country as well. They, they are legit. It um, give a lot of stock to Bo Nix, and it seems like that – they were, Oregon's really been putting out some good quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota yep. wins the Heisman there. Obviously, Justin Herbert, now mm-hmm. Bo Nix. Um, what's going on in Oregon? <laughs> I think with the the Nike money <laughs> really is helping them out. I think that's that's been the case. Yeah, I mean, we we, uh, we know that the Pac-12 has been notorious for overinflated offensive stats, but the fact that the proof is in the pudding with the mechanics and the dynamics of these quarterbacks. Um, it seems like they're being raised well. I think the recruiting class is just good. Um, California has always had a great uh, recruiting pool for a lot of the Pac-12 schools, even if they don't necessarily squat, you know, fill out the roster as such. But um, they've always kind of had the right recipe when it comes to that um, in the genealogy. So, um, you know, Oregon's kind of a lot of the same. I think that a lot of um, California programs have not necessarily had the right recipe for winning football and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the best um, college football quarterbacks recruiting scouts a lot of them are going to the Oregons and the Washingtons and the Washington states and, and you know programs of that nature they're going there they're going to Utah um, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of that success up north now you, you- Makes sense. Makes sense. And, um, you know, they've played, they were in a college, they were in a national championship. There's a good chance you will see them back in the uh, college football playoff and watch out for the Ducks. And then we'll um, look ahead to uh, what they have. Were you about to say something? No, I was just going to echo what you said. Watch out for the Ducks. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> just give me one second. I just have this one story here that I lost and it just I can't believe it. Um hold up. Let me let me get this. But what other games really stuck out to you over the weekend before I tell you this story? Um we could talk about UConn, how um they're 0 4, embarrassed by Duke at home. Um the sky's falling out in stores for football, at least it seems. No, I wanted to give love to um, Oklahoma. I thought that they had a pretty convincing win on the road. I thought Cincinnati would have kept it close. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what the original spread was in that game, but I thought that they um, they held their own um, in a in a very tough environment. Um, they shut down Cincinnati's offense, and I wanted to just kind of give love and give credit to that team as well. Okay, good stuff for for it. And are you just going to completely ignore that uh, UConn comment? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> oh man, the Huskies. 
terrible. Dog shit. Oh, well, I don't know. No good. The uh, other teams can have practice games, too, against them. All right, here I want to talk about this. I didn't expect to talk about New Mexico's in-state rivalry game, but a video obtained by KOB4 appears to show New Mexico State starting quarterback Diego Pavia urinating on the logo of the University of New Mexico. Um, In this video, it appears Pavia is urinating on the logo midfield of the indoor practice facility. How he got there, I don't know. I This is something that is for high schoolers. What a, just what a dumb ass story. And um, we we I'll fi- we'll find the um New Mexico and New Mexico state line. You gotta definitely take the uh, new Me- I don't the Aggies on this one. Like what the hell, um, Alex? <laughs> oh God! I don't know. Did you hear yeah. the story? No, I didn't hear about the story. Fill me in a little bit. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's really it. I guess they're, they're games this weekend and they caught this guy just pissing on the indoor practice facility. And Dolo, when you hear that, you have to block bleep that out. That's a bad word, apparently. But, um, we have the, I have a quote here. All right. I have the quote here from the Aggies offensive coordinator. And he says, um, he was this, and he was in the absence of Jerry kill, who is the, um, head coach. And again, I'm, I've haven't been up on Aggies football in a long time. Um, but his name's actually kill. You actually like, yo, let's go to the kills house. Um, Anyways, he says here, we're disappointed in what happened. That's one of those things where we'll deal with him and deal with him internally and move on, Beck said. You have high expectations for all your players, he continues. We're disappointed in his actions, disappointed in what happened, but it'll be handled internally. And it's just like, (laughs) Pavia so far this year in his second season in New Mexico State, He's throwing for 10 touchdowns and four interceptions across five games. And yeah, like, wow. Pissing on the indoor facility as, I mean, you're in college, but you are an adult at this point. And uh, this is just straight up silly. Yeah, it is silly. I mean, look, I've, I've been hammered going to the bars over the years and uh, I can understand pissing on, you know, a logo if you need a, you know, you need a push that needs to be hydrated. But uh, no, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're the face of a program, especially D1 football, you gotta, you gotta be better than that. Um, You know, we, you know, we, we joke here, we make fun, but the reality is that, you know, you need to set a standard and, and if this coach, you know, wants to, um, this, this coach needs to, uh, you know, lay down the law and make sure that he's uh, accounted for, you know, and, and, and severely put, you know, punished for, you know, pulling antics like that, especially if, you know, he has the, um, you know, the winning culture in New Mexico state and they, they are vibing for, you know, um, you know, a particular rank with, 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 with college football. So I think that, um, that, you know, it's the right thing to do and the right course of action. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's time to, mo- time to move on, you know, no, no reason to dwell on, um, you know, some silly antics like this, obviously it's goofy, but, um, it's just, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is indeed. Okay. Yes. Um, moving on. So, I actually, we're going to do something very rare. Don't do this often, but it is worth bringing up. So we are going to quickly switch to the NBA. 
and a major blockbuster trade took place. Again, a major blockbuster trade took place on Wednesday. So reported by Adrian Wojnarowski, so you know it's for real. Damian Lillard has been traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the trade is as follows. Lillard goes to Milwaukee as part of a three-team deal with Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tamari Kamara, and a 2029 unprotected Milwaukee first-round pick and a unprotected Milwaukee swap rights in 28 and 30 to the Blazers. All those guys go into Portland. Phoenix lands Yusef Nurik, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. And Portland is expected to trade Drew Holiday. So hearing the uh, trade right away, tell me your initial thoughts. Well, I just think it's a game changer for the Eastern Conference at the top of the margins. I think um, this was the linchpin with Milwaukee, you know, getting back to, um, you know, their championship ways. I think Milton was kind of a deficiency after the championship, um, you know, in, in, in most recent years past with them getting back to that glory on, I thought that he had a lot of questions around him and his health, but um, Dame, you know, is able to, you know, command an offense. I've always been the biggest Dame fan. And I think that um, this is going to put them over the top and and solidify them as probably most likely the number one seed. Um, I think there's kind of been a vacuum since they won a championship with the Eastern conference. You know, we talk about Boston and we talk about Miami, but and even with Philly, you know, the reality is that they're just they're just not quite there. They don't have um, they don't have the realness, the toughness to get back to representing the Eastern Conference and Championship Series. So I think that Milwaukee is the is the real deal. Um, it was a matter of time that they were going to get back to this. And I think all you know, obviously, the team that acquires the best player in the trade always wins the trade. But I do think that. Portland actually has something to um, speak for in terms of how they were able to maneuver this trade as well. I mean, it's not, it's never ideal. It's never just and fair, but they were able to get something for Dame because we knew that this was a long time coming that he was going to want out of Portland. What about all these insiders? And this is particularly NBA insiders, Alex. They really know how to, What's the word I'm looking for? Gaslight us to get people to get people into it. We've heard for months Dame is going to Miami. We're, they're going to get Tyler here, all these picks and everything. Then it was reported this week that oh, Dame is actually going to Toronto. No, Boston is actually in the mix. And all of a sudden, what actually happens is that Dame is going to Milwaukee. And and think and thinking back and. It would make sense. I'm sure there's plenty of people who thought he'd probably actually wind up in Milwaukee. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there who said that. But what do you think about all NBA insiders with just completely getting this wrong? <laughs> it just seems like a rite of passage. I'm an NBA insider. I'm going to just make stuff up, it seems, or I'm just going to totally fabricate and miss it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, it's more nonsense from the corporate press. Um, I think that. You know, I think everybody sizes up Dame as being bigger than he wants even himself to be. Um, He's made it, you know, clear on the record that he's not necessarily looking for the biggest market um, to, you know, extend his brand and be that, you know, popular voice and and image that people want him to be. He wants to be a winner. Mm -hmm. And I think this, this trade and this acquisition is more along the lines of what he was looking for from the beginning, even if it may not be in Portland. Um, But again, that ring. Yeah, he wants that ring. 
And I think him and Giannis are more kindred spirits than not. I think they're more like in the, in the same likeness than the rest of the league. I think that they are not necessarily like big brands per se, but they're um, looking for continued, you know, winning ways. And um, again, nothing in this league is, is long-term. Everything is short-term. So I think even if this does work out uh, for, for both of them in their favor in Milwaukee, I think that, there's a good likelihood and chance that Dame still continues to move on in this league in another city as well. Right. Absolutely right. Now, you can call out Dame for being a hypocrite because when Kevin Durant went to uh, the Golden State Warriors, he (laughs) said, you know, mess that. I would rather retire before I join a super team. And he literally did just that. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's not wrong. He's not without blame, but, uh, Hey, people can change um, yep. their mind. That's there's, 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 of course. So, um, of course. I'm just saying he did say that, so he's going to have to back that up one way or the other. Sure. And, um, just two more things. One, people have thought about before this that Giannis might request a trade. He might be disgruntled. Um, he has three years left, and then a player option in 25 and 26. So, um. Though, again, they haven't played a minute yet in the league. Who knows? Maybe they don't have any chemistry. We're going to have to ultimately see. But you assume from this that at least there's a better chance that Giannis will stay long term. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I don't see how he could leave it all, period, with his past statements and his um, his resume and his, um, you know, his, his – what he wants from the organization there's absolutely no reason no justification why he would leave in the short term i get it i get it and last thing here before we do we look into week five for college um drew holiday does get traded do you think milwaukee state takes a um do you think milwaukee takes a step back defensively without drew holiday there who arguably was their best defender briefly because i think that grayson allen is also a big loss as well Um, I think that, um, you know, when you look at, um, I mean, they still have Pat Connaughton from what I understand, and they still have a lot of length on the, on the, on the front end of the, of of that defense. Um, I think that they can still compete and hang with the other teams in, in, in the Eastern conference, but, um, yeah, they're good. They're going to have deficiencies in the backcourt and in the frontcourt. So, um, yeah, you should expect them to have a more porous defense in the first and second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. And, you know, just hope that Damon Lillard is that extraordinary, which I believe he is, uh, to overcome that and kind of, um, you know, equate to a one-way winning, um, you know, equation when it comes to um, shooting your way out of these series. So I think they're going to do that. Makes a ton of sense. All right, let's look ahead to week five in the college football season. Just about yes. halfway there. Next week, we'll officially make the halfway point, and um, let's get to it. So actually, the first game will be on Friday night to discuss, and I think it's worthy. We have two ranked opponents in Utah versus Oregon State. Number 10, Utah versus number 19, Oregon State. Oregon State's actually opening at the as the favorite here at minus three. Um I feel like Utah's an underrated team in this league and another Pac-12 team that um has been dominating but a lot of people are really feeling good about the Beavers in this and um especially they have a really good quarterback play and um I think it's really interesting. Now I'm going to actually take the Uteps and give them the upset on this, but what do you think about this? 
Yeah, um, I'm, I'm kind of along the same lines as you are. I think when you look at the way that uh, Washington State was able to creep out of that win, you know, the week prior, um, I can understand why the, the rate of change with Oregon State in the hierarchy and the rankings. But at the same time, I, I'm a firm believer in Utah. I think that they have a way of winning, and um, it's, it's true to their character, and I think that they can hold – um, and bring down Oregon State to their level in terms of how they want to play their game. So I firmly believe that Utah will prevail in a, um, a low-scoring game in this, this this upcoming week on a Friday night. All right, now we'll start on Saturday. So 12 p.m., this will actually be quite an interesting matchup to watch for various reasons, maybe not necessarily on a competitive standpoint, but because, you know, it's Coach Prime again. We have the number ranked eight. We have eight. We have the number eight ranked UFC. Yes. UFC is going up against Colorado. Colorado is not ranked anymore. They're going at Colorado. The spread is minus 21 and a half. Do you expect an upset at any chance, or do you at least see the spread getting closed from Colorado? No, I I, I agree with the latter half of that. Uh that proposition. I think that USC, um, a 21 is a lot for any team, particularly when you're talking about Pac-12 on Pac-12 um, competition. I think that USC will prevail, but I think it's going to be a lot tighter of a game because I think Prime got exposed last week um, with, mm-hmm. with Oregon in that game. And I think that he's going to be looking for more of a retributional game and he's going to be looking for a little bit of uh, recuperation in terms of his image and, and how this team prepares and how they compete. So um, I expect a tight game, but I think USC will prevail. And I think that Colorado will be uh, a two loss team at that point. Interesting stuff there. Um, still no Travis Hunter too, even though he said he wanted to play. Still but, not. Yeah. 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 That is a still a major loss for them to, especially more defensively, I think. Yes. So we also have Florida, 22nd ranked, 22nd ranked Florida going against Kentucky. Kentucky's undefeated so far. Florida has been uh, winning some crucial ranked games. Mm-hmm. You, the University of Kentucky is only a one-point favorite, so we'll pick them pretty much. After we saw Florida with that receiver having the catch of the year, I feel like some momentum's coming on there and people are really um, – feeling good about what they are doing. So give me the Gators on this one and the one point. Uh, I'm taking Kentucky, baby. Um, You know, they're, they're an undefeated team. They're coming in this game hot. They've had a dominant performance over both Vanderbilt and Akron. Um, I, I expect them to keep to winning ways. I think that this is a highly uh, anticipated game within the purview of these two programs. And I think that uh, Florida's taking, um, I think they're taking a premature victory lap with the way that last week's game um, ended. I think it was a little too close for comfort with Tennessee. And I think they're going to be on their heels when they, they play, uh, when they play Kentucky. Um, We know that some of these ACC programs, um, even though Kentucky's SEC, I think that um, some of these programs at a conference, and some of the latter half of the SEC um, kind of sneaks up on some of the top dogs, and they got to be careful with some of these these um, these in conference games. So I think that Kentucky will win a, a really close game. All right, good stuff. So Georgia's playing their first 
Well, it's not that difficult of a matchup, but they're at least playing somebody this week. Very easy early schedule. They're playing Auburn. The spread is minus 14 and a half. I still think Georgia handles that pretty easily. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Georgia will win a tight, close. I mean, not a tight, close game, but they'll win a low-scoring game. Um, Auburn's not a bad program, but um, Georgia's just that good. And... I expect um what's what's the what's the spread at Carlin? Just uh m- minus 14 and a half. Oof. Yeah. Um I expected to be somewhere around 10 or 12 but uh I expected Georgia to prevail. All right, I like it. So we also have LSU go up against Ole Miss, 13th ranked LSU and 20 ranked Ole Miss. LSU's opening at minus 2 and a half. What's going to happen here? Um, this is a pick for me. I thought that um, even with Ole Miss's game last week, I thought that um, they hung tough. I thought this was a great uh, a great game for them. And um, I fully expect um, a game down to the wire with uh, LSU and Ole Miss. I think that this is a, a really difficult game for me to pick. It was top of my list going into this weekend. And um, – I, I would I would pick I would pick LSU by a field goal in Old Miss. I think that uh, it, it's really it's really too close for comfort either way. But um, you know both teams are high powered on offense. Um, Lane Kiffin and Brian Kelly are 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 are, are made men in this league, and um, it's going to be interesting to see that coaching battle from sideline to sideline. I think this is uh, really exciting to see. All right, just to. Just to break your balls, Alex, the Utah State Aggies are going against UConn, the one and three Aggies and UConn at home. I don't have a spread for you on this yet. It hasn't opened, but what's going to happen for UConn? Are they going to get their first one of the season? UConn's going to be bent over like this, my friend. Oh, no. Ah! No, yeah. No, the the uh, Utah State will will run run train on them like uh, Adam twenty two. They're, uh, they're gonna be- <laughs> what happened a year ago, Alex? There was so much momentum. I have crazy Russ Miller telling me they're getting a Big Twelve invite. Yeah, okay. Um, but, I mean, in all seriousness, though, like what's going on? Like it's it's interesting. There was so much um, momentum going in, and I know. what difference a year makes. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, play devil's advocate, but this is only second uh, Jim Moore's second year in um, in his recruiting, you know, process. It takes, you know, an average of any small market program three years to get the real recruiting, you know, return on investment in. So um, I think you'll start seeing better progressions through um, next year's recruits and the way that they've constructed their roster for next year. Um, I think they overperformed last year in the latter half of the season. That's why you saw them, you know, you know, hang tough with Marshall in that bowl game. But, um, you know, it, 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 it is sad to see them kind of regress uh, closer to where I, you know, kind of expected this program to be. I think um, everybody kind of um, – I thought that they'd be a little more ahead of schedule, but they're just they're just not quite there. And um it's gonna take some time to get back to their winning ways. So if they can keep this game competitive, um, that's all you can really ask for. I'm just kind of being a realist here, but um Utah State should should prevail pretty handily. So Bama is uh 
They go up one ranked. They're ranked 12th. They're going against Mississippi State. They're on yep. the road. Alabama's at 14 and a half. Do we see them having another struggle victory? Uh, with Mississippi State? Yes. Um, I expect this to be a tight game. Um, I, I understand that they had a compelling, you know, comeback, you know, back, uh, you know, bounce back win with Mississippi, um, uh, with, with Ole Miss. But I think that, you know, I think that was uh, Saban, you know, kind of flexing his muscles against Lane, against Lane Kiffin. Um, I think that he he saw what Sark did to him in, in that Texas game, and he was like, I'm not going to let that happen again. And <laughs> I, I fully expect, you know, Alabama to bounce back even on the road with Mississippi State. So um, I think they'll continue their winning ways, and they'll start getting back in that uh, top ten range, you know, there again soon. All right, great. And then um, the last game I want to talk about before we wrap things up is Notre Dame at 11 is going to Duke at seven, who are ranked 17. So number um, 11th ranked Notre Dame going against 17th ranked Duke. Notre Dame's opening at six points, and it seems like there might be some added pressure. Mm-hmm. So having said that, does the Fighting Irish – Stick up to the challenge. I think they are. I think they can sp- hit the spread, and I think they'll be able to have a bounce back game again. Just a few things, just especially football. Sometimes the ball just rolls in your favor, and that really could have happened in that Ohio State game. Yes, not as much of a challenge against the Blue Devils, though they are a very good, sturdy team. But I do think the um, Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be able to win. And I think they will win very handily, even with uh, the good graces of Duke. Really? Yeah, I, I hope you're right. Um, I, that six feels a little too close for comfort um, yep. because I feel like Duke is riding high off of their early season progress. Um, and I think Notre Dame is kind of soaking on an, a, a difficult, heartbreaking Ohio State loss. So I hope you're right that the way that they expound and expunge some of that um, loss is, you know, extra motivation to have a big bounce back win. But I just don't know how they're going to react to in this game with, especially with a new coach. Um, so I'm going to expect that Notre Dame prevails, but they do not cover the spread. I think this is a one possession <laughs> game. And I think Duke is better than people are giving them credit for. Um, well, it's going to be very interesting to see how this game shakes out. I, I agree with you on the shakeout. I hope that they um, are able to definitely hit that spread. And let's keep it going, Fighting Irish. Keep it going. So that'll wrap this up today. We'll have the great Nico Nocero, Bat Nocera, back next week for yes. college and uh, NFL. So we wish him well. And we're looking forward to seeing how this all unfolds once we hit the halfway point. Thank you very much, Mr. Renelio. And we'll see you soon. Take care, Matt. Have a great week, everybody. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter and X at PodConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations Podcast. That's TikTok at Productive Conversations Podcast. And we're on Facebook at Productive Conversations Podcast. So tomorrow is going to be a feel-good Friday. Tomorrow we have another tweet cap for you. We will go a little more 
in depth with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. You know, with the NFL crew, they weren't as privy to talk about that relationship for whatever reason. So this time we will just focus on the other guys who I think are better suited for it anyway. So we'll talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. It was announced she will be at the Jets and Chiefs game on Monday and um, all the stuff that is going on and being revealed and stuff. Travis himself talked about it. So very interesting stuff there. So definitely we are going to do a lot of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift on the tweet cap tomorrow. Plus Kevin James is showing up all over X. We have the Naked Game Show that is somehow becoming very popular. Well, we know why it's popular on HBO Max. So we will have a little discussion on that. Maybe we'll finally talk about the Roman Empire itself. A lot of good stuff on the tweet cab. Plus, we'll throw some internet questions in there so we can all have something to laugh, appreciate, learn, and be amazed by. So a very good tweet cap is coming your way tomorrow, and you do not want to miss it. But for this show, I want to thank Alex Renelio for his contributions to the show today, my buddy Alex DeJesus, a.k.a. Dolo Ren, for what he does behind the scenes, and I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for supporting us no matter what, and we love each and every single one of you. So with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Don't forget chicken on your friends and family, and I'll see you tomorrow with another edition of the Tweet Cap. So we'll see you soon, everybody. Have a great Thursday. Peace. All she needed was some...